Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we proudly bring to you Mormonism Live! Shut up and sit down. Radio Free Mormon, how are you? I'm great. Mr. Real, Mr. Bill Real, how are you doing? I am doing so well. My hair is a little messy, but I am otherwise having a great day. It's been a fantastic day. Lots of cool things happening. My wife and I are watching Star Trek Discovery, and uh, we're in season three. And I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I, I didn't really care for the original, but... Um, I'm getting bored just hearing the title. Go ahead. Next Generation and oh uh, Enterprise gosh. with Scott Bakula. Yeah, Next Generation, yeah. Captain Picard, Next Generation, you know. otherwise known as Sesame, uh, was yeah, it yeah. Sesame Street in Space? Engage, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, number Sesame two. Street. And now we're watching Discovery and we're loving it. They should be number two on the bridge. Yeah, hold the bridge, number <laughs> one. I'm going to take a number two. Yeah, something like that. Right? <laughs> but really, really loving the show. And we just, my wife and I had a great day today. How about, how about you? Fantastic. I've been busy. I've been busy. I'm in charge yeah. tonight, man. I have I'll been tell working, you, I've working, watched, working on the show for tonight. I have stayed out of the way and watched. You guys have put a ton of prep, maybe more prep into this show than any other show we've done, and uh, really excited to see what uh, we come up with tonight. Well, tonight's show, thank you for asking, is about patriarchal blessings. I think it's the patriarchal blessing connection, otherwise known as the patriarch trap, a little reference to a Haley Mills film from the 1960s. Yeah. Yes, starring Brian Keith trap. in his hunkier days. But anyway, anyway, we've got two parts of this show. The first part, we're going to be talking about patriarchal blessings with a bunch of video clips. And we're going to cover some points about patriarchal blessings that the audience may or may not be familiar with. The part that I think everybody's familiar with is I have a patriarchal blessing. I got one when I was 18 from our stake patriarch. Did you get a patriarchal blessing, Bill? I Yeah, so I joined the church at 17. I bet by somewhere around my 18th birthday, I had a patriarchal blessing. Yeah, and this from is Franz Attaboy. I'm sorry? From Franz Attaboy. That, that was, was the name, name of the patriarch. Yeah, yeah. Attaboy, did he live by John, by the way? No, but, but man, some of these Mormons have cool names, don't they? Yeah, I think most of the cool names are from England. Anyway, <clears throat> anyway... Yeah, we're going to talk about patriarchal blessings, and it's a common thing that most members of the church have because you're supposed to get them when you're young. And we're going to talk a little bit about them. First off, we're going to mention that patriarchal blessings have two main purposes. The first and the most important, by the way, Bill, is to declare your lineage. Yeah, these guys a... know. Well, yeah, because they're patriarchs. Amen. They know these things. So they declare your lineage. Uh, mine's Ephraim. What's yours? Uh, Ephraim. What a coincidence. Look at that. Holy smokes. Everybody in the audience who's from Ephraim, raise your hands. By the way, we should ask, if anybody in this audience has a different tribe than Ephraim, please put it in the YouTube comments. I'd love to know. Otherwise, yeah, we'll just assume great. everybody is. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along. But, you know, that used to be a very important thing in the church was the lineage. We don't hear that much about it in the last 30 years or so. When I heard about it, excuse me, when I joined the church in 1978, for like 10 years, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting somebody talking about lineage in Mormonism and why it's important to be 
of the tribe of Ephraim because Ephraim's number one, baby. Yeah. So uh, my condolences to everybody out there who is not of the tribe of Ephraim. But anyway, so that's the first part, lineage. Second is promises, blessings, advice, admonitions, all predicated, of course, upon the individual's worthiness. And we have a great clip which covers this of Saints Unscripted. So this is a number of years ago. You may or may not recognize some of the people on the panel, but they have a real legitimate patriarch on the show. And they ask him the question about patriarchal blessings. He says what it is. And then very interestingly, one of the individuals on the show asks him if it would make any difference if a different patriarch gave a blessing to the same person. Would that affect it? And the answer, as I understand it, is no, not at all, because the blessing comes from God through the patriarch to the individual. It's the, it's God's blessing, not the patriarch's blessing. Therefore, there would be no difference. Are we ready with that clip? Can you tell us what a patriarchal blessing is? A patriarchal blessing is a blessing from God given through the laying on of hands by the authority of the holy priesthood through the spirit of revelation and prophecy. That's what it is. And every blessing given is subject to the worthiness of the person. And the Lord will fulfill every promise made. And I know that. So does the blessing have to do with you? Like, for example, if this is kind of a personal question, I guess, mm -hmm. but if two different patriarchs were to give a blessing, do you think that would change the outcome that much? No, the... the, the Blessings will be the same. The wording might be, you know, I speak Dutch or German. Okay, yeah, the, the French, word. French, different wording. But the, the blessing is given through the Spirit of the Lord. It's Heavenly Father talking to a son or a daughter. Through the patriarch. Yeah, so yes. I have no blessing to give to anyone. They're all from the Lord. Yeah, and so we are instrumental to uh, be the spokesman, so to speak. Yeah. And that's very real. Um, so essentially, it is a piece of scripture for every one of God's children. That's really exactly. Yeah. How beautiful is that? Well, I'd say it's pretty darn beautiful. It's a piece of scripture, individualized scripture for every individual who receives one. I mean, you've heard that before, right, Bill? Yeah, that's that's pretty uh, standard language, huh? Yes, and uh, the patriarch is quite clear that God will fulfill all of His promises. He knows that. All the promises yeah. in the patriarchal blessing. It'll okay. all be taken care of. Yes. Now, we're going to be talking about Eldred G. Smith a little bit in the second half of tonight's show. For those of you who were born after 1979, there once used to be a thing in the LDS church called a church patriarch. And it was kind of a big deal. In Joseph Smith's day, if you look in section 124, there's an argument that can be made and has been made that the church patriarch, who was Hiram Smith at the time, is on the same level, if not a little bit higher, than the church president, Joseph Smith. So it was a very, very big deal. I'm not going to go over apostolic coup d'etat tonight. Let's just say that the last patriarch of the church was Eldred G. Smith. In 1979, October, he was put on emeritus status without calling a new patriarch to take his place, which would have been a lineal uh, calling. It should have gone to his oldest worthy son, I would presume. And that's why all the patriarchs names or last names are Smith. 
because they all go back to the Hiram Smith line to his dad, Joseph Smith Sr., who was, in fact, the first patriarch of the church. But now, I could not find any place where Elder G. Smith talked, at least not since 1971, when we have a record of it on the church website in conference talks, right, about patriarchal blessings. He's just kind of a general authority who will talk about any subject, whatever. And sometimes he talks about patriarchal blessings, but the times he talked about patriarchal blessings are back in the 60s. There is a clip, which we're going to play. This is from April General Conference, 1976. He's giving a talk on who is Jesus, and we're just going to play the first 24 seconds. He's not talking about um, patriarchal blessings, but I want to play this so that everybody can see who this individual actually was and what he sounded like. And this will be important for later on in the show because we'll be talking about patriarchal blessings that were received specifically from Eldred G. Smith. Do we have that tape? Who is he who is called Jesus the Christ? Do you know him? When he was praying to the Father just prior to his crucifixion, he said, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You're muted. All right, so that's the clipper that we're going to play from Elder G. Smith, so you can see who the individual was before he got put on emeritus status and the office of patriarch shut down forever by the apostles in the final move in their apostolic coup d'etat when they took over complete power of the church. So yeah, in fact, I'll put that episode in the comments just for folks so they can go listen to it. I think it's one of your most brilliant, at least sets of episodes, because there are more than one that go together. But yeah. great work, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, I relied heavily on D. Michael Quinn for that. Yeah. Just so you know. Okay. Yep. Um, now let's go to Thomas S. Monson. Back when he was an apostle and not the president of the church. This is from October 1986 General Conference, and he is giving a talk about patriarchal blessings. In fact, the title of his talk is Your Patriarchal Blessing, a Liahona of Light. Yes, they were doing alliteration even as far back as 1986. It is a time-honored tradition in General Conference talks. And what he says here in this brief clip that I think is interesting is that he feels compelled to say that the patriarchal office is only an office of blessing. It's not an office of administration. Do we have that? Who is a patriarch? Who is this man blessed with such seership and prophetic powers? How is he called? The Council of the Twelve Apostles has a special responsibility in the calling of patriarchs. From my experience in that quorum, I declare that patriarchs are called of God by prophecy. How else would our Heavenly Father reveal those to whom such prophetic powers are to be given? Patriarchs occupy an office in the Melchizedek priesthood. The patriarchal office is one of blessing and not one of administration. See, there it was right at the end where he adds... The patriarchal office is an office of blessing, not one of administration. By the way, Elder Faust, when he gives a talk on patriarchal blessings at BYU back in the year 
1980, I believe it was. And we'll play a clip from that later on. He also says the exact same thing, that the patriarchal office is an office of blessing and comfort, I think he says, but not one of administration. Why do you think that they feel it's important to make that point repeatedly, Bill? Okay, say say that one more time. I'm sorry, I was off into the comments. But you're you're saying what again? I'm just asking I you. Apologize. Why do you think that apostles feel compelled to say that the patriarchal office is an office of blessing, of the, not an office of administration? Yeah, because originally the patriarch had um, equal authority to the quorum of the twelve, and since the apostolic coup d'état finished off with relieving Eldred G. Smith of his duties. It is very important to the church that they separate those things, that he doesn't have an administrative role because we need to clearly keep our distance from the fact that the patriarch had uh, equal authority to the Quorum of the Twelve at one time. I agree with you. I think that was brilliantly said, especially since they caught you a bit flat-footed. And just a note, too, I think it's a big deal here that President Monson is saying that these callings come from the Quorum of the Twelve. Um, the current patriarchs that are all over the church, stake president picks somebody, he submits it to the 12, they approve it, so be it. Same thing with bishops, by the way. But in the time when they were general authorities, they would have been handpicked from the Smith family, um, and it would have been the quorum of the 12 that would have picked them, prayed about them, and it would have been a much more serious, if you believe the church is true, a much more serious connection between Heavenly Father, the quorum of the 12, and picking that person. Right, right. And one wonders when it was that they felt they had the ability and the power and assumed the power to issue a calling to an office that is by definition one of lineal descent. Yeah, and equal authority to the people calling them. Right. Yeah. So very good point. Now, I think everybody's heard the admonition, at least I had heard it when I was a kid informally, that these patriarchal blessings are so sacred that you should not share them with friends or other people, maybe Ooh. close family members, but you're not supposed Well, yeah, they're, they're secret, sacred stuff. You don't play around with this. Bill, this is sacred, not secret, okay? Yeah. I don't know how many times I have to tell you that. Okay. But I didn't find it in a talk, but I did find it in the Gospel Topics essay on the church website. And I don't know if we have that to put up on the screen. If not, that's fine. I'll just read it to you. This is kind of just saying what I think everybody already knows. Quoting from the Gospel Topics essay, patriarchal blessings are sacred and personal. They may be shared with immediate family members, but should not be read aloud in public or read or interpreted by others. Not even the patriarch or bishop or branch president should interpret it. So that's the end of that quote, but the first part, yeah, I've heard about all the time, but I'm really interested in this idea about nobody should interpret it except for the person who receives the blessing. And that way, it's kind of like the temple endowment, sort of. We're not going to give an interpretation. Any interpretation of this stuff is up to you. What do you make of that, Bill? Um, the thing that catches my eye here is this idea of not sharing it, because I, I kind of know where the show's going later, and I have a personal story I want to share, too. It seems really important to the church to keep everybody from reading each other's patriarchal blessings. The interpretation part, I don't, I don't know, but the sharing it with everybody around you besides just your closest family members, I think we'll learn tonight that there's a lot of risk in doing that, and I can see why the church has put those protocols in place. 
Yes, there end up even being problems with sharing it with close family members as well, which we'll get to. Um, so let's go back to that Thomas S. Monson talk from 1986. There's another clip I want to play from this. And let me see here. Oh, 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 okay. So this is the first apologetic that we're going to arrive at in the outline of tonight's show. Because the first apologetic has to do with the fact that just because something is stated in your patriarchal blessing doesn't actually mean it's going to happen. Because there's this huge fail-safe, this huge caveat, which is if it doesn't happen in this life, hey, it could happen. In, no, not it could. It will happen in the next life. Because as that patriarch on Saints Unscripted says, he knows that every promise that's given in the blessing will be fulfilled. God will fulfill his promises. So if it's not in this life, well, we've got an eternity beyond this life for God unless, to get on the stick. Unless you're not faithful. If because of your own sin, you could end up on a different track than what your patriarchal blessing promised you. So That's if it doesn't come to because, pass. Because yeah, every yeah. every patriarchal blessing that I've seen, and I'm going to assume every single one, has this massive clause at the beginning and sometimes peppered throughout in case you forget, which is that this blessing is based on your faithfulness. So if something doesn't happen, it may happen in the next life or it may just be because you have not been faithful enough. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, just looking at my last little paragraph, the realization of this blessing is conditioned upon your faithfulness. Yeah. It, I think it always appears in a blessing. And that's so if it doesn't come to pass, then you know who to blame. And it's not your God. Fault. And it's not <laughs> the patriarch. Yep. <laughs> right. Because like we heard, it's not the patriarch's blessing. It's God's blessing. So patriarch, no fault. He's just the middleman. Yeah. And it's God. So you can't blame God. So if it doesn't happen, it's either your fault or if you have really, really been especially good, then it's going to be deferred to the next life. What we find is that patriarchal blessings over time have been hedged around with excuses for why it is that if they don't come to pass, it's okay. They're still true. It's still from God. Now, let me see about the next part. Your, oh, yeah, this is uh, the Thomas S. Monson talk, that clip starting at 10.13. I think Maven has that ready to go. We'll hear that. Yeah, here we go. It's actually a personal revelation to you, the recipient. A white line right down the center of the road to motivate, to inspire, to encourage activity and faithfulness. Your patriarchal blessing contains chapters out of your book of eternal possibilities. I use the word eternal advisedly. For just as life is eternal, so a patriarchal blessing is eternal. Those promises not fulfilled in this life may well be fulfilled in the next. We do not govern God's timetable. Remember the word of the Lord, for my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, so there we have the end of that clip. So 
Did you hear that there, Bill? Yeah, if things don't happen here, don't worry. We'll take care of it in the hereafter. Right. So any part of your blessing, by the way, this was part of my blessing that did not come to pass. I'm sure it was through no unworthiness on my part, however. But it was uh, talking about leadership positions and working with the young men, which would usually be a young men's president or something like that, maybe at least a Boy Scout leader, never happened for me in 40 years in the church. Never got that calling, which isn't the end of the world. I'm not sure I would have enjoyed that calling that much. Maybe I did would you ever have. clean? Did you ever clean a building with the youth there as well? Or did you ever help a family move with the youth also helping? Oh, I'm sure that must have happened at some point. Bingo. You mean I don't have to wait till the next life? No, it, it got taken care of. Whew. This is the other thing that apparently a lot of members will go and look at their blessings and really study them. Now, by the way, this is what they're admonished to do. All I'm saying is I don't know that I took my patriarchal blessing as seriously as that, but they will try and figure out what is meant by maybe cryptic wording, perhaps infelicitous phrasing in the patriarchal blessing. And those can be doorways to try and draw out meaning that is specific to the person receiving it. We'll get to that later as well. However, now we're going to, oh, the idea, you've heard of this, Bill, I know, right? Which is when you go and get your patriarchal blessing, there is sort of a, um, well, let's put it this way, size matters, okay, in patriarchal blessings. Because there's this general idea out there that the longer the blessing you receive, the more inspiration is being received by the patriarch, which means that you're kind of more righteous, there's more that God wants to tell you than to the average Joe or Josephine. Have you heard that before, Bill? Yeah, I think a lot of them are just two pages, but but look at this. One, two, three, four, almost. Holy, that's your blessing? That's my three and a half page patriarchal blessing, my friend. I think I'm experiencing patriarchal blessing envy. You 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 should. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to, yeah. I don't I don't know what punchline to add to that, but you should be jealous. Yeah, I am. Because mine is not that long, even though I've lost it and haven't found it. Um, but I will say this, is that we're going to play this last clip from Thomas Monson because he addresses this as well. The idea of whether a patriarchal blessing is brief or lengthy. And I'll bet you can guess what his response to that is. Yeah, Your patriarchal blessing actually is not to be tucked away in a corner, neatly folded. It is not to be published. It is not to be framed. Your blessing is to be read. It is to be cherished. It is to be followed. It may be short. It may be long. It may be simple. It may be profound. Length and language do not a patriarchal blessing make. It is the spirit of the blessing which provides the meaning. Your patriarchal blessing will protect you. Unlike that injured and crippled airplane of which I have spoken, traveling That's the end of the clip to a direction there, it knew not went. Let's just cut it right there. Yeah, because it is interesting that not only does he say it, whether it's long or short, doesn't make any difference, right? So he is addressing that issue which he knows is in the minds of his listeners because he's obviously encountered it as well as probably have everybody else. 
in the church. And he wants to say, it doesn't make a difference if it's long or short, Bill. It's motion in the ocean. Yes, it doesn't make you any better than Radio Free Mormon just because your freaking patriarchal blessing is twice as long. Yeah, no, and you need to say that, right? Like you're in a church with all these patriarchs and some people have one page and some people have two and, you know, Bishop Reel's over here with three and a half. So you just, you got to let everybody know that it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not That must important. have been a slow week for the patriarch. <laughs> it probably was. I think we were the only two on a schedule. Me and my girlfriend who ended up being my wife uh, went at the same time. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Well, let me just go ahead to this part. Also, it's interesting. He says that your patriarchal blessing will protect you. Like garments. Yes. By the way, that got changed in the printed version. There were a lot of things that got changed in President Monson's talk. We're not going to go into all the details of this. It doesn't say it will protect you like Thomas S. Monson actually said when he was giving the talk. What it says in the transcript is it will guide you through life's dangers. Mm. So we can see a softening of the language in the printed version that I don't hear in Thomas Monson's talk. Thomas Monson's talk is much stronger about patriarchal blessings than in the printed version. Yeah, it's always nice when you can walk those things back, huh? Yeah, and I'll tell you, honestly, I don't know, because you remember that Thomas Monson was like famous for memorizing his talks. Do you remember that? Mm. Yeah. Is that a yes? I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. I can't no, no, see you're you. good. Okay, because yeah. I'm looking at my screen with the He's super the articulate, it. yeah. But yeah, and so I don't know if it was changed afterward. I'm thinking maybe this is the way he wrote it, and then he memorized it, which is apparently far from being word-for-word -word memorization. And then he gives the talk, and that's maybe why it doesn't match. So I don't know why. All I'm doing is observing that there is a lot of difference between the way he gives it and the way it's written, and that's one of the differences. Gotcha. Okay. Now we get to go back to 1958. By the way, this is because of Martine Smith's excellent research on the subject. She may or may not be appearing later on in tonight's show. I want to keep that a surprise. But she found a conference that was given, an instructive conference to patriarchs, which was being led apparently not by the church patriarch, Eldred G. Smith, who was the patriarch back in 1958 as well, but instead, it was being led by two apostles, also of interest. In fact, I would not have known that Elder G. Smith was even present at the meeting, except for the fact that he gave the closing prayer. But there were a couple of very interesting things there. By the way, Bill, are you still looking at the comments? Uh, I'm, I can click them right now. I'm there now. Okay. I don't want you in the comments, but do you have the outline in front of you? Um, I can pull it up really quick. Hey, Maven, are you around? I am around. <laughs> Do you have that in front of you? What is it you're needing? I was hoping that you would read what Joseph Fielding Smith said to oh. this collection of assembled patriarchs back in 1958. Okay. In the outline, it's on the top of page five. Yeah. At 8 a.m. on October 11th. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's when it started, I'm assuming. I don't know if that's exactly when he said this, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he's... Um, now, here is a problem which to me is serious. This is the right one, right? Yes. Okay. A patriarch gave a blessing to an individual who had Negro blood in his veins and said, you are of the house of Israel and entitled to all the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A Negro cannot hold the priesthood and um, 
I don't know if part of this is a little bit messed up. Sorry. A Negro cannot hold the priesthood. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was going to say, I think I know what you're saying. It's like a Negro cannot hold the priesthood and not holding the priesthood. They cannot until the Lord removes the restriction, enter into okay. the exaltation. Go ahead. There we go. Sorry. It was kind of confusing to me. It um, is confusing. All right. Uh, until the Lord removes the restriction, enter the exaltation of the kingdom of God, and that would not entitle them to all of the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is a very serious matter, and we should be extremely careful to know the Lord is speaking to us because Negroes cannot receive the fullness. A Negro may come into the church, and we can do more for him than any other church on the face of the earth. If he is baptized and is faithful and true, he can enter the celestial kingdom, but he does not get exaltation. But as I understand it, the Lord will, in due time, remove the restrictions. Not in this world, but the time will come. If the Negro receives the gospel and is true to the end, he may go to the celestial kingdom. And when the right time comes, the restrictions will be removed and he may receive all of the blessings. Now, the reason as stated by President Brigham Young and some of the other brethren that the Negro cannot receive the priesthood is twofold. One is their own fault because of their attitude in the spirit world. They were not valiant for some cause, which the Lord does not explain, and they were barred from receiving the priesthood. But they were not barred from birth into this world and were not denied the right to have a body. If he is faithful in his second estate, the time will come when these restrictions will be removed. I feel gross reading that. I'm sorry. What about reading that, Maven? I feel gross reading that. You may have to take a shower after this show. <laughs> But it was interesting. He says, not in this world, about the restrictions being lifted from the Negroes, about the priesthood restriction and temple ban, right? Not in this world, but the time will come. So in other words, Joseph Fielding Smith does actually know what Brigham Young prophesied about those restrictions being lifted from uh, people of color and that that would only happen after all the white people had the chance to receive the priesthood. Yeah. What, what was the source for that? I heard you say Joseph Fielding Smith, and I heard you say like 1950s? 1958. 1958. Was it a, a training session talk? for the patriarchs? Gotcha. Crazy. And by the way, the source for this is uh, a book called Later Patriarchal Blessings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, pages 559 through 563, compiled by H. Michael Marquardt, published by the Smith Pettit Foundation, Salt Lake City, 2012. And we can probably have a link to that in the show notes. Cool. The other thing is, of course, the reason that the, uh, I'm sorry, I keep looking at the word that he used, but the reason that people of color could not hold the priesthood, he mentions, is because of their bad attitude. Did you see that? Bad attitude, yeah. That was in the quote. Bad attitude. Yeah. Man. But what is their own fault because of their attitude in the spirit world? I'm calling it a bad attitude because I'm thinking of Mr. T and the A-team. I pity the fool. B.A. Barabbas. What does the yeah. B.A. stand for? Bad attitude. Bad, bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we have a Q&A. There's a Q&A session afterward. And I think this is also with Joseph Fielding Smith. So, Bill, could you read the question? Okay. And then we get Maven on there to, to uh, be ready to yep. read the answer. Question and answer. So here we go. Uh, we have a young man who joined the church, and there is a question as to his lineage. Is there any reason why they couldn't call upon the patriarch to see if he could give it to them to see whether or not they have colored blood? 
And the answer was, a patriarch has the right to have inspiration in a case of that kind. In a case where there might be a person suspected of having Negro blood, but it is not certain, they could go to a patriarch. He has the right to inspiration. In such a case, the bishop should have the right inspiration too. There are some cases where I suppose no one could tell but the Lord. How, how convenient. Well, yeah. So, um, you know, it's handy to have a patriarch around. So they can tell whether there's any colored blood. Last time I checked, my blood was colored. It's red. It doesn't surprise me with all this old stuff, the 58 talk from Fielding Smith, that the church essentially 1970 and before is like gone. Um, they're really hard to find. And, and you can see why when things like this get said, huh? Oh, absolutely. So we just wanted to throw that in there and thank Martine again for digging that up for us because that was very interesting information about patriarchal training back in 1958. If we can go to uh, James B. Faust's talk, this was March 30th of 1980 at BYU. He gave a talk on patriarchal blessings, and he gives a very interesting example that he uses to show that patriarchal blessings don't always come true, and it's a personal example, that they don't always come true unless we really, really work hard to interpret it correctly. When are patriarchal blessings fulfilled? Elder John A. Widsell had the following to say. It should always be kept in mind that the realization of the promises made may come in this life or the future life. Men have stumbled at times because promised blessings have not occurred in this life. They have failed to remember that in the gospel, life with all its activities continues forever, and that the labors of earth may be continued in heaven. Besides, the giver of the blessings, the Lord, reserves the right to have them become active in our lives as suits his divine purpose. We and our blessings are in the hands of the Lord, but there is a general testimony that when the gospel law has been obeyed, the promised blessings have been realized. Can we stop there for a second, Maven? Thank you so much. This is so interesting to me. I mean, talk about a hedge around patriarchal blessings. He says that it can occur in the next life, but there's a general understanding among the leadership, I guess, that once the once you've done the things that you're supposed to, then the promised blessings are realized in some way, even if you're not aware of it. Were you listening to that last part, Bill? Did you make any sense out of that more than I no, can? No, no, no. Please explain. What do you think is going on there? Well, it just seems that they're saying, regardless of what you think, if you do what it says in your patriarchal blessing, that the blessings are predicated and the promises are predicated upon, then the, those promises are realized regardless of whether you know it. It's. It does seem, yeah, I'm trying to think how to approach that. It, it does seem risky when we tell people that God is talking to you through this person and regardless of how you feel about things, if you just do what's on those pieces of paper, that everything is going to work out just fine when sometimes life doesn't work out just fine. You're, you're muted. Sorry, I was furiously typing something. Um, that's okay. So there's the first part. Now I'm just going to give this great story, this great personal story so that you can see how it is that you can take a blessing that obviously failed and make it 
not fail. This was well illustrated in my father's patriarchal blessing. He was told in his blessing that he would be blessed with, quote, many beautiful daughters, end of quote. He and my mother became the parents of five sons. <laughs> there were no daughters born to them. But of course, they treated, treated the wives of their sons as daughters. This last summer, when we had a family reunion, I saw my father's granddaughters moving about, tending to the food, ministering to the young children and the elderly, and the realization came to me that Father's blessing had been literally fulfilled. He has indeed many beautiful daughters. You're muted again, my friend. So what do you make of that, Bill? Does that story make any sense to you? It, no, and it, it's one of these things when stuff doesn't happen the way things are supposed to happen, all you have to do in Mormonism is just make a new loophole and, and create a new way for things to happen, right? Like it, he was told he would have daughters, beautiful daughters, in fact. And now when granddaughters are walking around, and by the way, if you have enough kids, you're going to have some granddaughters, aren't you? So and if you have enough boys and they get married, you're going to have daughters-in-law. Yeah. So, it, it, and you're right too, it would have been easier probably to go to that, but instead he went to grandchildren. It, it just feels like in Mormonism that we make, we, we fit the uh, camel through the eye of the needle no matter what. Right. So I thought that was a great story. By the way, the last clip from President Faust from 1980 is going to deal with this issue that I raised earlier that problems can arise even if you're sharing your patriarchal blessings only within members of your immediate family. Because what happens, Bill, if little Billy shares his patriarchal blessing and it says he's from the line of Ephraim and little Susie shares her patriarchal blessing and it says she's from the line of Judah? Yeah, well, I kind of know the answer to this, which is in the church, we say when that happens, that it's also possible for people to be adopted into lineages rather than it be their real lineage. So we also have a loophole for that problem. Yes. So here, here it is from President Faust, an authoritative source regarding this problem. Lineage. Since families are of mixed lineage, it occasionally happens that members of the same family have blessings declared upon them to be of different lineage. There has been an intermixture of the tribes, one with another. One child may be of Ephraim, another in the same family of Manasseh, Judah, or one of the other tribes. The blood of one tribe, therefore, may be dominant in one child, and the blood of another tribe dominant in another child. So children from the same parents could belong to different tribes. You're muted again, my friend. There it is. Sorry. That's no, all right. Um, my gosh. I mean, I used to listen to this and I would absorb it and I would remember it and I would believe it. I but believe it listening too. to it now from 1980, so that's what, 42 years ago? I don't even know what he's talking about. What does that mean to have one blood dominant in one child and another blood dominant in another child? Isn't yeah. this sort of... Uh, a desperate way of explaining away blessings within My, the same family from different lines. 
minus an actual tribe or two missing in action, right? The lost tribes. Um, anybody on earth is going to have DNA from everything, including Neanderthals and, you know, Neanderthals, I guess is how we're supposed to say that. And, uh, and this idea that wherever you're at, like if I did my blood, if I did a DNA test or a blood test to, to see what my lineage is, it's going to come up with, you know, 13% African. It's going to have Neanderthals in it. It's, it's going to have everything. And in the Mormonism, when you used to believe it, hook, line, and sinker, you thought the earth was 6,000 years old. There are all these lost tribes hiding in Antarctica underneath the, underneath the uh, glaciers or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just all becomes silly. And then today when you're, when you suddenly go like, yeah, I just believe science, it becomes, becomes really absurd to believe that, you know, daughter Jenny has got a different tribe than the rest of us. Maven. I just had a thought. I just remembered something. Um, so my boyfriend in college was Japanese and I had heard that different races or I guess people from different places would be from different tribes. And that made sense to me. So, and I'd heard that a lot of Asians were told that they were from Manasseh. So when my boyfriend who was a convert was getting his patriarchal blessing, I, I mean, we talked about it and I was like, I don't think you're going to be Ephraim. I mean, you might be, but I was like, I think you're going to be Manasseh. Um, but he got Ephraim. And so when he like came back from it, he was like, why did you, why didn't you think I was going to have Ephraim? I think, cause he could already tell like, that's the best one, you know? So I, I, I remember feeling kind of really awkward. Like I felt like he was kind of thinking that maybe it was racist of me to think. And I wasn't trying to be, but that's just like what I heard. And that's what I was taught. So yeah, it really did surprise me that he was Ephraim. The, the Lamanites are Manasseh, right? Oh, is that it? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, th- it would make sense to me then that the Asians would be Manasseh too, because that's how the Lamanites got here was right. over the uh, Bering or the, uh, what, what do they call it? The Bering Strait or what was it called? Yep, the Bering Strait. Yeah. yeah the yeah. Land Bridge. So that makes sense to me. Okay, good. Good. And of course, the Book <laughs> of Mormon designates the Lehites as being from the tribe of Manasseh. Ta-da. So therefore, Lamanites would be Manasseh and everything fits together. Church is true. Since all Native Americans are believed to have come over the Bering Strait, it would make from Asia, it would make sense that Asia is also the tribe of Manasseh, although I don't think it helps the church's cause. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah. You know, I don't hear a lot about Zebulun, um, what is it? Zebulun, Naphtali, Isaac. Yeah. Nobody gets those, those cool ones sounding tribe names. <laughs> Maybe there are some people out there who are of those lineages, but they seem to be underused, underrepresented in Mormon. Patriarch those might be the lost tribes. Well, they could be. They could be. Okay, so now we're going to go back. We're almost done with part one. But I do want to bring up an issue from 1958, same conference with the patriarchs, but this is Spencer W. Kimball speaking now to the patriarchs. And he has recognized that there's a problem with patriarchal blessings that he wants to address and give a potential solution for. Here's what he says. You would do well since you have no counselors Right, patriarchs are without counselors. By the way, something's hitting me right now. That's because it's a lineal office. I know state patriarchs aren't a lineal office. Church patriarch definitely is. And in the Doctrine and Covenants, it says if you're a literal descendant of Aaron, then you can serve as a bishop with no counselors. Right, Bill? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you if you are a lineal uh, a bishop with lineage that goes to being essentially that's in your lineage that you are a bishop, you don't need them, but the rest of us did. Right. So it's like this idea of lineal offices being able to be served without counselors following over into 
patriarchs as well. I'd never thought about that connection before. That's interesting. You would do well, once again, Spencer Campbell, you would do well since you have no counselors. If you took two or three of your blessings occasionally to your stake president and say, would you kindly glance over these blessings to see if you have any suggestions for me? You know, that seems to be a violation of the separation of powers to me. <laughs> Here's the patriarch. He's supposed to operate independently. And yet it's obvious that the apostles who are now addressing the patriarchs, right? And not the patriarch himself, the church patriarch, but saying, okay, you need to sort of submit yourself to the state president and ask the state president for help and suggestions with your patriarchal blessings. That's interesting. But he says, sometimes we get in ruts. Sometimes when we give so many blessings, we use the same phraseology over and over until it has little meaning. Each blessing is individual. Each person only receives one blessing in their lifetime. Therefore, you don't give them routine. Every blessing is very special to that individual. Now, I think that what Spencer Kimball is saying is all to the good, except maybe the part about the state president getting involved, regardless of that. He's recognizing a problem that existed in the church, even as far back as 1958, of patriarchal blessings and patriarchs getting into ruts and giving those blessings and just repeating the same thing over and over. Did you get that out of that quote, Bill? Yeah, and I remember some of this conversation when I was serving as a bishop and having conversations with the stake president. And I have a specific, again, we'll get to it later, a specific, a specific story that ties to this. But I know for a fact that there are exceptions in the church where people are given a second patriarchal blessing. Um, and you talk about yours not being in your possession anymore. You you could still request it and uh, and have the church send it to you. But um, it, it, it seems like a really safe check and balance that I would have added along the way if I didn't trust my patriarchs to have the stake president go over a few of them every year and ensure that that stake pre or that patriarch is using um, fluid language that changes from person to person. Yes. And I, I don't have my patriarchal blessing anymore, but I do remember all the important parts. Good. The part that I'm sc still scratching my head about is talking about me having a modestly popular podcast in a post-Mormon phase of my life. They nailed it. I don't have an explanation for that one yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, regardless, we got one more clip. Now, this is actually from a patriarch, not from apostles talking about patriarchs. It's a patriarch named Robert Patterson. That is his name. This is at BYU from the year 2000. And what he does is he tells a story. This is, um, it's about two minutes long. But he tells a story, it's in the context of his describing patriarchal blessings as gifts, and the person who receives it needs to receive it as a gift, and not be too critical, because then you're not being um, a grateful receiver. So he tells the first story, which we're not going to play, about this one person he gave a blessing to, they received it as a gift, it was wonderful, it was fine, it was hunky-dory. Then he gives the contrasting story about uh, a young uh, girl, probably a teenager, to whom he gave a blessing and the problems that ensued as a result of that because she did not receive it as a gift. This occasion, a young woman came for a blessing accompanied by her parents. During the time we shared that day, this young woman received a wonderful blessing, assuring her of beautiful, abundant, and powerful gifts she would enjoy at the hand of the Lord. Unknown to me, this young woman and her parents 
were anxiously hoping for one particular blessing. An older daughter had died before marriage and childbearing, and the parents had noted there had been no mention of marriage or children in that daughter's blessing. They had reached the unfortunate conclusion that the absence of these subjects in her blessing foreshadowed her death before marriage. Thus they anxiously, anxiously waited to hear the words eternal marriage in this second daughter's blessing, but these words were not forthcoming. The family said nothing to me at the time, but agonized all the way home because the blessing had not included that much sought after message. Can we stop right there? No sooner did maybe? they arrive home than they telephoned. Okay, because he's telling the story. Of course, they're agonizing about it and they're going to call him when they get home and he's going to continue with the story. But the three words that stood out to me in the first part of what he's talking about is when he's describing this other thing that had happened in the family with the other daughter who got a blessing, didn't say anything about getting married in the temple. She dies prematurely, okay? What he said in introducing that was, unknown to me. And I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at what he said, unknown to me, and I'm thinking, well, man, you're the patriarch. I thought this stuff would be known to you. Yeah, it doesn't seem strange. I don't know if he's just saying like prior to the information coming down. I I don't know what he's trying to get at. Well, what he's tacitly admitting as he tips his hands to show us the cards is he doesn't know. Uh, well, God's not giving him the information, apparently. When there are things that he doesn't know that are real, that would be helpful in performing his function as a patriarch, he doesn't know. And he's operating in the dark. He's flying blind. And that's what led him into this predicament because it was unknown to him. Yeah, it's, it's guesswork. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe if you could continue, please. By the way, by the way, wait a second. You're going to love this because he has to try and comfort these people because he didn't say, you know, the magic words in the blessing for this other daughter. And he, he doesn't change the blessing. Apparently, these are written in stone in some way. He's not going to change the blessing. He's going to try and comfort them by using directives he has received from church leaders. And these directives are twofold. And you're going to think I'm kidding when I say this, but then we'll play the tape. The first one is the one we've always heard, already heard is that just because something is said in a blessing doesn't mean it's going to happen, right? And the other thing is just because something is not said in the blessing does not mean that it's not going to happen. So at that point, I think you've got all your bases covered. And I'm not sure what part of a patriarchal blessing anybody is supposed to have faith in after listening to this talk. So we can play the tape there, Maven. Did they arrive home, then they telephoned me. And so focused were they on the hope for a promise of marriage, so eager to hear the exact words, they were unable to appreciate the loving and generous promises of the blessing the girl had received. I tried to reassure them in a number of ways, but still they were resistant. First, I, I told them of statements of the brethren that the absence of reference to a specific blessing does not mean that the blessing will not be given. Second, I pointed out that even if a specific promise of eternal marriage had been stated, there was no assurance that it would be fulfilled in mortality. And third, I noted that the wonderful promises of her blessing 
so rich, so plentiful, should afford them great joy and personal assurance that their daughter would live to receive all the blessings they desired for her. Despite my best efforts to help them see that the blessing was a beautiful gift from the Lord, their hearts were so set on hearing a particular promise, they remained somewhat disappointed. So let me get this right. So the stuff that's in there that doesn't happen, don't don't worry about it. The stuff that can happen. The stuff that's not in there that that does happen, don't worry about it. The stuff that happens but is not in there, don't worry about it. And the stuff that doesn't happen that's in there, don't worry about it. Over the last since like 20 minutes since we've been revealing all of these talks. Yes. Okay, all right. Just I just wanted to be sure. I wrote that down just so I could take some notes and study this stuff later. Those are the rules of patriarchal blessings. And and just so that he doesn't get into the habit of giving uh, rote messages to everybody, the stake presidents to keep him clear of that. Yes. Okay. So yes, I think exactly. you're right. I think we've covered all of our loopholes. Yes. There is no problem with the patriarchal blessing that cannot be solved with these fundamental rules that come from the leadership of the church. <laughs> all right. Just have faith. Or just don't. have faith. <laughs> I love that talk. I love that that uh, that talk that he gave in that part where he lays it out so clearly. And, and 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 if something doesn't go right, it's your fault, right? That's another one. And uh, even if you don't, if you struggle with faith, if you do everything that's in your blessing, then you'll be blessed for it. So don't worry about that either. Like it, it literally does cover all the bases. Yeah, and he's having all this trouble with this, basically the the teenager's mom, I think. Yeah, and it's understandable why she would be distressed about this. But at no point does he say, "Okay, look, here's the magic word. She's going to get married in the temple." You know, he's not going to change it. That thing's written. In, that's the easy fix. Instead, he keeps talking to them and trying to explain it to them and how they should be grateful. And by the way, every blessing that they want for their child will be realized. So at that point, that was number three, remember? At that point, then you do have to ask, like somebody mentioned in the comments here a second ago, what is the point of having a patriarch? What is the point of having patriarchal blessings at all? Yeah, they used to cost money too, didn't they? I think that the church patriarch in the latter part of the ninth century used to charge like $5 for a blessing. Yeah, it was something like that. 50 cents, five bucks. It was something, but you had to pay the patriarch. It's how he made his living by giving patriarchal blessings out. And he got, uh, you know, it, since then, they've decided to go to a volunteer network to give patriarchal blessings as well as to uh, clean the toilets. But uh, but, but at one time, it was a paid position as well yeah, as your blessing was, presidents. Your blessing was so long, it would have cost $12.50. <laughs> Just about, huh? Yeah. All right. So now we're done with the introduction. Let's go to part two of this. Let's bring on our special guest. There's Lila Tuller, and there is Martine Smith. How are you doing? Hello. Oh, there's Maven. Hello. Is this where you want me on or later? <laughs> yeah, please go ahead and be on. The okay. gang is all here. So let me introduce this by saying we talked about Eldred G. Smith and played a clip from him because both Martine and Lila had the honor of receiving their patriarchal blessings, not from just a regular state patriarch but from the church patriarch himself, Eldred G. Smith. Is that correct, Lila and Martine? Yes. 
Correct. And then a few weeks ago, Lila made a discovery, and I want to uh, go ahead and let her explain that. Okay. Um, I was what I was on a chat. I think it was a Mormonism live chat that Martin Best was chat out there. In. And someone was talking about patriarchal blessings and complaining about something. And Martine hopped on and said, well, I had my blessing from Elder G. Smith, who was the patriarch of the church. And then I found out there was this website where you could upload your blessing and they could find other blessings that matched it or that had similar phrasing. And, and, she, and basically she was saying, I found out that you know, there were a lot of blessings out there that were just like mine. And I read that and I thought, wait a sec, I had Elder G. Smith too give me my blessing. So I DM'd Martine and I said, hey, me too. Um, send me your blessing. I would love to compare it with mine, which she did real quick. I guess she had already had it typed up and ready to go. And she sent it. You to weren't me. supposed to do this. I know. Aren't we bad? We're so bad. But I was out taking a walk and literally stopped dead in my tracks reading her blessing because it was unbelievably, I mean, almost identical to mine. Yeah. So many paragraphs and phrasing was word for word, the mm -hmm. same as mine. And I said, Martine, when did you get yours? And she said, 1971. And I got mine in 77. So that's six years apart. He's still saying the same stuff. So I'm thinking this has got to be a, 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 you know, like a scam thing where they memorize phrasing and then. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, I, and, I, and I know that. Uh, thank you, Lila. I know that Martine printed these out and did a lot of work highlighting similarities. Martine, if you want to add anything to that story that Lila just told from her perspective and then go ahead and explain what all this yellow and blue okay. means on those documents. Sure. So I, as Isla said, I got my blessing in 1971. Now I'm from Belgium and I was a convert. I was seven. I had just turned 17. I was here for general conference with a, a few friends from my branch. We had flown over for a month and a missionary whose family I was staying with said, oh, I made you an appointment to get your patriarchal blessing because Belgium didn't have a stake. So there was no patriarch. And you know, he took me there and funny little thing as we were waiting outside the office for our appointment. Uh, I don't know, it took a little while, I guess. And he leaned over to me at one point and he said, I think this, you have to understand this is, you know, this is over 50, well, not quite, yeah, over 50 years ago. He leaned over to me and he said, um, I think he's trying to figure out which blessing he's going to give you. <laughs> Little did he know. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, I found out, I found the uh, Fuller Consideration website, which lists blessings. You can send the admin your blessing and they upload it and they have them coded, color coded pink, for pink numbers for women, you know, for female blessings, blue for, for males. And uh, I just clicked on blessings around my the, the time period that I got mine. And Eldred G. Smith gave blessings in a very particular way. He was patriarch for 32 years, and he used strictly the language of prayer. 
which now patriarchs are told not to do. They're told to use you and yours. But Eldred, it, it was easy to find, to recognize his blessings because not only was the verbiage and entire paragraphs were just like mine, uh, there was the DNL. So I did, because I like to confirm things, I did contact the admin and I said, hey, it, are those blessings, were those given by Eldred G. Smith, the church patriarch? And I got the response, yes. And he added one, which was one to a, a male, a 20 year old, I believe, that I just finally read yesterday. And Eldred Smith gave that blessing six months after he was put in as patriarch. And it's very short compared to ours. This is page one of mine and Lila's, and there's page two. But uh, the, one, the, first, the one he gave like six months after he was put in is to a male. It's pretty short. Obviously, it is somewhat different because it mentions you know, the priesthood and the, and the callings, but there are, there's phraseology in there that he used six months into his calling that he was using 30 years later. Can you tell us what the yellow and the blue mean on okay. your blessings? So the yellow, the yellow are things that are identical word for word or near identical. And really most of them are word for word. The blue uh, are things that are on Lila's blessing. There's there's a little bit of blue that can be found. It's not in mine, but it can be found in what I call the patriarchal blessing number three. That was given. That was that's one that's on the the website that was given to a 35 year old woman, and uh, and and the theme is around callings for Lila and. Uh, and callings, especially directed at, at uh, like counseling uh, uh, members of her sex and things like that, and that people would go to her. I don't have any reference to that in my blessing. Uh, so the things that are in blue and lilas are actually found in another blessing. I so am overwhelmed by the amount of yellow on those pages. <laughs> Yes, uh, I wish I'd done a word count. I didn't do that, but and really, the things that are not highlighted, I I could find portions of sentences in the others anyway. It's just so incredibly similar, and it's you know, I have a relative who also received their blessing from Eldred G. Smith because they uh, because they needed to. And I saw that blessing decades ago, and I don't have a copy of it, but uh, but I remember being quite shocked at how much we had in common. And I thought, well, we're related. I was still a new member at the time. So I thought, well, we're related. So maybe that's the way it works. You know, if you're from the same family, the blessings are gonna be a lot alike. Well, Lila and I received our blessings you know, I was a little convert. She's a general authority's daughter. We were 5,000 miles apart. But our blessings match. It is a small world. <laughs> yes, it is. If we, thank, thank you, Martine. If we can go back to Lila for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Lila, how did this make you feel when you saw Martine's blessing from the church patriarch and saw all the similarities between Martine's blessing and your blessing? 
Well, you know, at this point, I had already deconstructed the, the religion. But I hadn't even really thought about my patriarchal blessing. I hadn't even, like, really gone through that process of dismantling it. All of a sudden, I remembered all the time I had spent studying it and trying to find meaning and what does that mean to me personally? And, oh, I can't, it, it says that I would marry a priesthood holder. At the time I was 16, it said I would marry a righteous priesthood holder. And I was dating a guy who wasn't a member. And I just, you know, it was like, well, I'm wasting my time with that guy. So I, you know, I broke it up off with him and I was looking for that righteous priesthood holder. And well, anyway, to go back to what you asked me, what were my feelings? It was really almost at first, it was this sick feeling in my stomach that I had been had. I had been duped. This patriarch was literally memorizing phrases and spitting them out at will. Uh, that it had nothing to do with me personally or or Martine personally, but it was just stuff that he was telling everybody. So when it would talk about my personal gift, you know, of patience and cheerfulness and that I had the gifts of a teacher, Martine had it too. And <laughs> just all these things. And I realized I wasted so much time agonizing over my blessing and of trying to apply it to my life and give me direction in my life. And, and I thought, you know, what about, luckily I did end up, it says I would be a mother. Luckily I did end up being a mother. If I hadn't been a mother and I hadn't had children, I think I would have felt, you know, lied to or robbed, but luckily that did happen. And so I could say, oh yeah, my patriarchal blessings fulfilling all these things in my life. And then I started thinking, wait a sec, it's no different than going to a, um, you know, a psychic where they just sort of spit out really generalized things that can fit a lot of people. And, and then you say, oh yeah, uh, that happened to me. So this must be true. You know? So I was, I was making excuses for things on, um, in my life, uh, that weren't lining up with my patriarchal blessing. Like, oh, maybe that'll happen in the, the next life, you know, or maybe I'm not being faithful enough to have that gift because there were things that I hadn't seen fulfilled. And I thought I'm not being faithful. You know, I, I need to be more righteous. And so, you know, my feeling is, and I don't want to take too much time, but my feeling is that these, these blessings affect the members deeply. We make life choices based on these blessings. We feel like we have, you know, we lived our lives so that we could have these blessings given to us. And when they don't happen, we do this deep, you know, dredging up all of the things that we might have done wrong. And when it's all so much baloney, I'm saying that in a nice way because I could use another word right now for what it what it really is. And um, even though I had deconstructed the, the religion, it still really kind of was a blow to my gut when that happened. I just wanted to come in and add about the children. I think the majority of women are promised that they will have children. So that includes mm -hmm. me who has never married um, and 
it, I mean, at this point, it, it would be a geriatric pregnancy. It would be high risk if I did get pregnant. Um, but also um, the friends of mine who have had fertility issues. Um, and yeah, it just, it's just a, a formula. And I feel for those who are infertile, especially uh, who really strongly want children, who are pouring over this blessing to try to figure out, is it, is this kind of like an Abraham and Sarah thing where, you know, maybe later than I want to, but it'll still happen for me. Or is there something I, I need to do to kind of unlock the enough righteousness to earn or deserve this blessing of children or the flip side, you know, um, as RFM pointed out earlier, it's based on your righteousness. So what did you do wrong? You know, um, or what are you doing wrong to not be able to get pregnant now? If that's really what you want. I, I think have a, damaging things. Yeah. yeah. We had a sister in our ward, just a little younger than me, my wife. And uh, her, she had issues where during that time of the month, she would just bleed profusely. She had doctors over and over again recommend uh, getting a hysterectomy. Uh, but she refused to because uh, she had had many blessings in her life at the hands of priesthood holders, including a patriarchal blessing that promised her she would have children. And, and so I don't know over the last five years whether that's changed, but up until when we left Ohio and then a little after when we still were in contact with them, uh, she had never taken that medical advice um, because she knew that God would keep his promises. And, and to this day, she hasn't had kids. I mean, that's not happened. That's interesting because it's... It can be really difficult for a woman to get a hysterectomy, um, even with issues. So, um, and that's something that's happened to a friend of mine. They usually want you to wait until 35, regardless right. of if you plan on having kids. You know, it's, this is just one of those, I guess, and another thing where there's still a lot of sexism in the in the medical field, where um, you know a husband that may not exist may still have a say over, you know, your uterus, um, and if it's it's bothering you, um, yeah. Martine, there's a story about your children that I don't want you to tell yet, but I do want to ask you, what were your thoughts when you saw the similarities between your blessing and those of others? Well, I think similar thoughts to anybody who, who realizes that, and you know, there's that, that box they put, they have you put your blessing in. They want you to read it frequently, but they don't want you to share it. And for, it seems very obvious reasons, uh, just like the temple. It's not so much that it's sacred, but we want to keep it secret. Um, yeah, I mean, there were they were specific lines in my blessings that, just like Lila said, that I agonized over. You know, I have uh, my blessing was given to me in in English, of course. And I didn't understand hardly any. Well, really, none of it. Uh, especially with the the and thou added into regular English. But, you know, this is my the French translation of my blessing, and it is well-worn. Uh, it's torn in pieces. Um, you know, my English version, same thing. Um, and when we discussed this by, before the show, uh, RFM, you said, boy, you, you guys took that way more seriously than, uh, than you did. I think... I don't know if it's a male-female thing. Maybe, maybe it is. But uh, uh, yeah, there were things in there that I, that made me feel really good about being really special. I mean, he really liked to use the word talents. Like in one paragraph, it tells me six times that I have talents, 
in how much I agonized over, am I doing everything I should to discover what those talents are? Because, you know, cheerfulness and patience were the two that were specified, oh, in consideration unto others. But, uh, but you know, obviously there must have been other talents, but, you know, I, I organized over those parts. So it just talks about talents in general, and it's up to you to figure out what they are. Yeah, except for cheerfulness and patience. Cheerfulness, maybe, but my husband and I have laughed a lot about the patience. So. <laughs> I feel like I could do this job <laughs> of being a patriarch. You, I think you could nail it. There was a comment in the chat earlier. Someone said they changed their major in college based on their blessing, and that didn't turn out well. Oh, my gosh. So a lot of people are taking these very seriously, and I'm sorry. There were aspects of the gospel I took very seriously. It's just patriarchal blessing wasn't high up there on my priority Dang. list. Dang. But I totally respect your your journey. You're doing that because actually what Lila and Martine, what both of you were doing is you were treating your blessing the way that you were told to by church leaders. And all of those clips that you played, and you know, we watched some others too, prepping for the show, the emphasis on this is personal, this is to you, this is from your heavenly father, he loves you, he knows you, you know, don't fold it up and leave it in a leave it in a in a drawer, you know, read it frequently, study it, pray about it, fast about it, fast before you receive it. I did that at least. <laughs> so um, going back to Lila, Lila, was there a specific instance related to patriarchal blessings involving your ex-husband? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So I read his blessing prior to marriage and he read mine. That was one of our dates. We read each other's blessing. And uh, his said some very interesting things about callings that he would be um that he would have in his life and one of them was that he would exercise his priesthood over large areas of the church and that also that he would live um an, a long and healthy life and you know i remember reading that and thinking oh geez you know because i knew and i told him this prior to marriage i said if you're going to end up being called as a, as a, like a GA, I probably am the wrong person to marry you because I don't want my mother's life. I saw my mother's life. I saw what it took for her and how much effort she put into being my, my dad's partner through that. And the supportive role that she played was not fun. And I just said, I'm not that girl. I, I am not going to be that girl. Well, and, and he kind of, you know, laughed and brushed it off and said, Oh, you know, I'm sure you'll change your mind. You know, when the time comes, you're just, you feel that way right now. Well, flash forward, you know, another 34 years and he is now, um, he's, he's dying of colon cancer and, um, he's received many blessings of healing that he would be healed completely and that he would be able to fulfill his patriarchal blessing. And we're divorced at this point. 
So I know it's not me that it's going to be fulfilled with. So I'm like cheering it on, you know, oh, good, good. This is going to actually come to pass. And I said, you're not going to die. You're going to be healed and you're going to go on, you know, forward and be that person, that GA, whatever it is, whether it's an area president or, or something. And, and uh, he got very quiet and he looked at me and he said, no, that's, that's not going to happen. And I, you know, I was sad that he felt that way, but I guess, you know, he had reasons to feel that way. And then sure enough, he didn't live and those things never did come to pass. Was there any kind of thought that you gave to rationalize why it didn't come to pass or anyone else gave to you? Well, yes, I kind of, um, I got the feeling that of course I wanted, I blamed myself. Oh, and Lila, by the way, by the way, just so you understand, I'm just leading you toward the question of whether there were people who said that it would happen in the next life. Oh yeah. There was a lot of people that said it would happen in the next life. Um, it was, um, you know, that was something that is always one of the options, right? We've been told that if it doesn't happen here, it'll happen in the next life. But I felt like it was my fault because I wasn't supportive. I wasn't a supportive wife and I didn't want to be a GA's wife. I was still in the church, but I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, yeah. And so I, I kind of, especially after something that he said, I, I really looked at myself and my how I might have caused that, him not to be called. So this is even more removed. We have the idea in every patriarchal blessing that the recipient has to be faithful in order right. for the promises to be realized. But here, the blessings and promises in your ex-husband's patriarchal blessing were obviously not realized because he passed away before they came to pass. And now... You're taking that upon yourself as a third party and yeah. blaming yourself for your lack of righteousness that his blessing didn't come to pass. Right. Right. But then, you know, with a little bit of uh, hindsight, I thought more about that. And I thought, wait a minute, he didn't have to marry me. And I could be the one dying of colon cancer. If the Lord wanted him to have that blessing, he could have just taken me out. You know, and then how he could have gone on to do that. So I kind of thought, wait a minute now, why, you know, maybe it's not really my fault because the Lord can do anything. And if he wants him to go be a, a general authority, he can just take me out of the way if I'm the problem. Yes. God's aim with the lightning bolts from the top of Mount Olympus is notoriously bad. <laughs> no. But I mean, let's go crazy. Let's go crazy and say if God wanted it to be fulfilled, he could have honored the priesthood blessings he was receiving and healed him. Yes. I mean, that's what you would think, right? Yes. That's another option. That would be the obvious answer. But when the obvious answer doesn't happen, kind of like when, what was it? Uh, President Faust's parents or his dad, you're going to have beautiful daughters. They have five sons. It's a laugh line. And then you're left to cast about and come up with some explanation for why it is that the blessing did not come to pass the way it was written. That's right. It's just, Looking I think that when someone dies, it's more painful and difficult than it is to explain the fact that you have only boys when you were promised daughters. 
Yes. I want to share, um, and I have permission, this is a comment from one of our listeners, Gail. She says her oldest daughter um, got her patriarchal blessing and was promised many children and to marry in the temple. And she died 48 hours after the birth of her first son. Um, and I think she said down later, her name was Andrea. And I'm thinking about, I don't know anything about my um, uh, family member that uh, also passed away pregnant. That was also her first. Um, I don't know anything about her patriarchal blessing. I assume that it also talks about child, uh, you know, having children there. And I wonder, Gail, if it's probably the same for you, but I know at my uh, relative's funeral, um, I mean, it was, I've obviously talked about that, that she and the baby are in heaven together. And, you know, and that was a, a, a common thing said to, I think, help everyone feel a little bit better about the loss of both of them. Um, and I don't, have, we do have the clip from Anthony. I'm not sure when we want to put that in. We will hear in a minute. Thank you for reminding me of that, Maven. I honestly don't know if the patriarchs who are giving off all these rope blessings, which are designed to apply to the perfect Mormon life, whether it's male or female. And female, of course, generally, you know, you get married in the temple, you have lots of children because you're supposed to. And I just don't know if they have any idea of how this impacts the people they're giving the blessings to down the road when their life doesn't turn out that way. Martine, yes. you can you can respond to that question, but I do hope you'll share with us your story about your children. Okay, I'm sorry. What was the question? Oh, just it's, it's sort of rhetorical. I have wonder if the patriarchal the patriarchs who give these oh, rope blessings. Have any idea the damage it causes down the road when a person's life doesn't match the perfect Mormon pattern? You know, it's really scary. I mean, you would think if they do, they would then, even if they give everybody the same blessing still, that they would be really thoughtful about what they promise and what they predict, really. Um, so I shared the link today, earlier today with a group of friends. And one of them told me that his, his former wife's father was called as a patriarch a number of years ago. He had been a bishop, a state president, had been in many different positions, but he said, and that's similar to what Eldred G. Smith said, uh, when he was, uh, you know, many years later but about his call is that that was, there's nothing to prepare them. There's no textbook, there's no manual, that that was the hardest calling he ever received. So my friend's former father-in-law really struggled uh, over that. And, you know, we said something earlier about, you know, the recipient may not be worthy. My friend's former father-in-law said, because he didn't feel it coming, he felt he wasn't worthy enough. And that's why he wasn't able to bless. So, you know, both parties suffer from this. That's ridiculous. Right. And I think that that's true. And this struck me that this is one of the problems with having such a legalistic church, which I believe the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is in spades. And it's this idea that you can set an appointment at the patriarch's office for Tuesday at three o'clock in the afternoon and the Holy Ghost is supposed to show up. 
It's on his calendar too. Right. Absolutely. And that reminds me of something that Jesus said about the wind goes where it wants, but, and, and that's the same thing with the spirit. So is everyone who's born of the spirit of God. I think it goes in John chapter three, but this whole idea is you cannot make the spirit do what you want. Mm -hmm. It's like the wind. It shows up when it shows up and you can't stop it from showing up and you can't make it show up either. Yeah. So you wanted me to tell a little bit of my story. Um, so uh, I have been married for nearly 48 years. And in the first five years of my marriage or less than that, I had five pregnancies. I gave birth to three children. So I had two miscarriages and two of our three children passed away. Two of them were born, the first and the third were born with a um, genetic, uh, very severe uh, genetic skin condition. Uh, they're very painful. It's a very painful condition. My children suffered greatly. Um, the second one was a daughter. She was the third child, but the second one with the disease was a daughter. Uh, she passed away at 13 months and she weighed eight pounds. She weighed six pounds at birth. She was a skeleton with open wounds over well over 50% of her body. Uh, my patriarchal blessing, which I thought was unique to me, says, well, it says a few things. Uh, okay, here we go. It shall be thy privilege, and I know Lila could just like quote it with me, should be thy privilege to experience and enjoy the blessings of motherhood. Be diligent in teaching unto thy posterity of the principles of the gospel and the plan of life and salvation, and they shall bless thee for the inheritance that shall, shall come unto them as a result of thy faithfulness in thy uh, teaching. There is another part of my blessing, um, which I share with, uh, with Lila, Thou shalt be given special experiences that shall strengthen thy testimony of the divinity of the gospel, which shall give unto thee courage and strength to follow thy righteous convictions and assist thee to withstand the trials of life with joy and rejoicing in thy heart. This next sentence is not in Lila's, but as thou shalt search the scriptures and seek knowledge, thine understanding and knowledge of the scriptures of the and of the plan of, of I'm sorry of the principles of the gospel and the plan of life and salvation shall continually be increased unto thee. So twice it tells me to study the plan of life and salvation. And um, well, there's lots of stuff in there. One, we didn't have any more children after our daughter died. Uh, it was a hard decision to make, and we didn't make it right away. She passed away in 1980. Finally, in 1986, I had a tubal lig ligation, uh, but that was a hard decision. Those were the Kimball Benson years, you know? Look at Lila, have them, have them fast. Don't think about it. Don't wonder if you can afford them, just have them. So was one child, which is our son, who's nearly 47 years old, was uh, one child, uh, enough for posterity? Well, technically, yes, but had I really done my duty? Had I really done everything I could? Uh, I agonized for several years. I read and reread those portions of my blessing. 
And I studied the plan of life and salvation, and I studied it right out of the church. It took me 30 years to get there, but eventually it didn't make sense to me. Life after this life, raising my children in the next life, what our family unit would look like, it just started falling apart after I turned 50, basically. So that was a few years ago. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I really appreciate it. And thank you, Lila, too. By the way, under the heading of maybe it's not just a girl thing. Mm -hmm. We have a clip from Anthony Miller, mm -hmm. who oh, has yeah. recently shared something about his patriarchal blessing, because he seems to have read it very carefully along with and mm -hmm. in conjunction with a patriarchal blessing of his wife. And I tried to call him earlier today only to find out I don't have his number in my phone. Sorry about that, Anthony. We're playing it anyway. I it's out there publicly, so I I hope he is okay with it. But if if not, um, I'm sorry. But this is from his uh, Mormon stories interview, and there's a little bit missing. And Anthony's blessing was kind of unique. And there have been comments talking about kind of rogue patriarchs that say some really wild and crazy things. Um, so if you guys want to like go back and watch his, it's a, a significant part of his story actually because there's just so much odd stuff in it. But this was the part that was uh, saddest uh, to me. Here we go. Warnings, my understanding, are usually if it's going to be a problem, and I never was really tempted to date outside of the church. And um, in any event, when I match that with things, and I, and I won't share what those things are, but when I match that with what my wife's patriarchal blessing says, the reconciliation that I had was that my wife was going to die early and that I would end up needing to select a, a a second wife, a new, a new mother for my children. And I was so certain that my wife would die young, uh, based on my patriarchal blessing, based on hers, uh, that we would talk frequently about eternal plural marriage, about what she would want me to look for in a replacement mother for our children. Uh, it was like a fact, at least that's how I interpreted it with, I, she was way more nuanced than I was, and I didn't recognize that until after my faith crisis. But I was so literally believing in this that when I bought life insurance on my wife, I bought 10-year level term insurance because I was sure she wasn't going to live that long. Mm. But, but where the trauma was is I loved my wife. I, I, I love my wife, and I loved my wife then. And um, any time she would travel without me, I would plead in prayer to God to not take her from me over and over again because I was so sure that he was going to take her from me because of what my patriarchal blessing said. Yeah. And uh, sometimes she would hold me as I, was, as I was crying because I was so fearful that he would take her. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think as it ends up, they're still married, right, Maven? Yeah. Yep. And it, there's, he tells another story later on where um, I, she does get sick, I think, with something that seems pretty serious. Um, and so they bring all the kids in. They think this, this has got to be it. This has really got to be it. Um, but she pulls through that, too. So, um, yeah, there's multiple things on uh, Anthony's about his patriarchal blessing. Yeah. But this was one that really affected his family. Wow. Well, that's very poignant. So I don't want to um, 
distract from the mood by comparing his prayer with his wife, with my prayers, with my second wife. We won't go there, okay? Mine were not answered either. So yeah. Can anyway. I say something? You know, yes. I've watched Anthony before, but, you know, it's his interpretation. But the essay says nobody else can interpret it for you. So not his, leaders, not not anyone else. It's it, just like you know, just like the temple, just like the endowment. It's so it, it was his interpretation, and he can't be found guilty for that. No, his interpretation is by default supposed to be the correct interpretation, right? right. According to the church. <clears throat> okay. Can I jump in for oh, just a second? Stop. Would you please? I know we're wrapping up and then we'll go yeah. to phone calls, but go ahead, please, Bill. Yeah, I just want to tell a quick story. First off, my brother-in-law, his patriarchal blessing says that he'll help build the temple in Missouri when the saints go back, just, you know, as Jesus is coming back. My father-in-law, his patriarchal blessing says that he will twinkle rather than die. And, uh, you know, I just know that's not what's going to happen. But, you know, again, we'll find some way within the family to explain that. How did um, how, if that doesn't happen in this life? How do we interpret that as I happening have no in the idea. next life? That's exactly, I I don't, it's know. it's extremely limited to an event happening, and it it you and I both know it's not what's going to happen. He's going to die like uh, the rest of us die. Specifically, saying that something will happen in this mortal life. That, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. and the story with me. Sorry, maybe the the story with me. My wife and I got our patriarchal blessing on the same day. We were dating at the time very serious. We were heading towards marriage. And uh, years later, I, I'm reading my patriarchal blessing and I'm really trying to become intimately familiar with it. And uh, I go and read my wife's and it's, there's a lot of overlap, but I kind of expect that we're married, right? Like why wouldn't there be a ton of overlap? And so I didn't really think anything about that. And then I went home teaching and it was uh, sister dress. I went out to see her and um, she's passed away since then since now, you know, then, so she's passed away and she shared her. She goes, Bishop, I want to share my patriarchal blessing with you. And I'm right in the middle of my faith crisis and I'm barely hanging on. And, um, she shares hers with me and I'm like, man, that sounds so much like mine. And then I go to an, and, it's, and it just so happens I'm studying mine, which I, I'm, I'm like you RFM. I hadn't really done that a bunch, but I, this was a time in my life where I'm really hanging, barely hanging on to the church. So I'm studying my patriarchal blessing. I'm trying to cling and uh, hers is very much like mine. And then like a week later, I go to home teach another person on my home teaching route, uh, Brother Walters. And uh, he, she, he goes, Bishop, can I share my patriarchal blessing with you? And at this point, I'm in my head going, I know where this is going. So please, by all, you know, by all means, please, I want to hear it. And he shares his and it is dead on with mine. And we all we all joined the church. He got rebaptized. She got baptized as a convert. I got baptized as a convert all right around the same time. And just like you're putting those patriarchal blessings up on the screen and showing how similar they were, these two and mine were like 90% identical. And it was in the places where it was not identical, they were nothing. But the things that were important to me were where the overlap was. And it was like, oh, there's nothing unique there. So I went to um, my bishop and I said something to him. And I just said, this is, this is bothering me. And here's, what, here's what's going on. He didn't really do anything. I, I went to the new patriarch who was our old stake president. Uh, so his last name was Rice. And great stake president. If, if Great guy. 
And I took him aside and I said, here's what's going on. I said, my patriarchal blessing is just like these other two that joined the church about the same time, had it from the same patriarch. Said, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. He goes, in certain situations, Bishop Real, there is, of course, Brother Real at the time, he said, there, there are certain situations where the church will give a second patriarchal blessing to somebody. And he admitted to me that our patriarch, the last five or so years that he was operating, the church knew he had dementia. And so my hunch is like, okay, maybe he had dementia early on. Maybe this will be the loophole that I can get a real patriarchal blessing. And uh, and he said, you're going to have to do that through your bishop, though. And I, I again, I don't know exact timeline, but I'm not the bishop at the time. I talked to our bishop. His last name is Anderson. And I share with him like, hey, this is uh, what's going on. And uh, he basically said, like, I'm, I'm not going to fix it. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything about it. And it was like this last little straw. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't make things work at that point. Um, just like these uh, ladies are talking about, this thing is taught in the church to be so important to you. And um, it, it, it just shouldn't happen this way. And it's not just uh, Eldridge G. Smith. It's Franz Attaboy, who was our patriarch. It's patriarchs all across the church. And it's the reason why the church wants stake presidents to look at this and to pay attention is because there is a propensity for this to happen. And the reason it happens is because if you were the patriarch and you're giving 10 of these a week, um, you just you just wouldn't you, you just would find yourself saying the same things over and over again. That seems like that's a normal expectation if the church isn't what it claims to be, and because I don't believe the church is what it claims to be, that's what I expect to, to happen. Yes. And one of the things that I think is disappointing to me is that this seemed to be one of the last areas in the LDS church where revelation can actually occur through a patriarch to you, individualized scripture, and now we find out that really it's not so much revelation as it is wrote. And, and I just want to correct one thing because I'm now remembering it. I was the bishop at the time. Uh, this Anderson gentleman who was our bishop in the past was in the stake presidency. And so I went to him as a member of the stake presidency and said, hey, can you solve this? Can, can you know, President Rice, who's now the patriarch, said he would give me a new blessing if you guys would approve it. And, uh, and they said, no, they wouldn't do that. So there are situations where it happens, but it wasn't mine. Okay. Lila, I saw that you had motioned. And by the way, I want, can we put up the, um, uh, the phone number so people can start calling in while Lila makes her comment. And also in addition to anything else you have to say, Lila, could you please address this point? Cause I think it's very important for a lot of people going through faith deconstruction, this fascinating experience that you had, which is, you feel up to three weeks ago that you've deconstructed Mormonism. It's in your rear view mirror. You have suffered all the disappointments that you expect to ever suffer because of Mormonism. And now you're past it. And all of a sudden you're feeling disappointed again and shocked. You're not just shocked at the similarities and the blessings, but you're shocked by the fact that you're shocked by it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was that was definitely a surprise to me. It was like, why am I surprised? Why why am I feeling this way when I already know that, you know, obviously they're not really getting revelation 
but it just really hit me when I realized how personal I had made this thing my whole life and that it really had an impact on my decisions and the way that I felt and the things that I tried to focus on. Um, and it was like, bam, another thing, another thing, way that I have been just, you know, hurt by the church, by this church. And I just want to say one other thing. I, I feel like, you know, we're making this really personal to us, those of us who have received these blessings. But I think about the men also who have been called to be patriarchs. How it might feel for them to realize that, okay, I got to go do this. And what if I don't get anything? Like, what if I'm not channeling anything? I'm not feeling anything. What do I do? Do I make something up on the spur of the moment? Do I pretend like I know what the spirit is telling me? Or do I just say, hey, I'm not getting anything right now. Can you come back on Thursday? Like this is putting a ton of pressure on these guys who, you know, they're just normal guys. They may have the seed of or the, the lineage or whatever, but they're just normal guys. And they're now in a position to affect people's lives so importantly that if they're not saying exactly what God wants them to say, or if they're not living exactly, you know, the way that they should, they're going to put a ton of pressure on themselves. And I think maybe Eldred Smith realized from the get-go that he wasn't able to do this thing that he was supposed to be doing. It wasn't happening. He wasn't getting anything from up there. And so he thought, I got to make this happen. How am I going to do it? Well, I'm just going to have to memorize some stuff and, 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 you know, maybe he had notes, I don't know, but maybe he just had to pull from that memory and think, okay, I can throw that one in there. Oh, I haven't talked about yet about, you know, this part. So I'll throw that in. Oh, I haven't mentioned this yet. I'll throw that in. And they were all, it was just a way to get through. So I don't want to put too much on these men. It's more that I'm angry at the leadership because they're the ones that have created this mess. Mm -hmm. They have created a, a, a disaster that is harming people. And what they need to do is back away. Because I don't think any of us are any better off. If we had never had our patriarchal blessings, would we be any worse off than we are having them and having them not be true? I would rather have never had one. And just be left to my own inspiration and my own mind and my own choices instead of trying to follow some map that isn't even really for me. That's just been memorized. And I just, I, I think I just would rather the church just stop doing it, but they perpetuate this, this thing because I think they think they're keeping people in the boat by putting these patriarchal blessings out there saying, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And it's all this, you know, righteous stuff that they're going to make people think they got to, they got to really be righteous or they'll never have these blessings. And that's just not fair. It's not right. You know, so they go ahead and spit out a bunch of stuff that isn't even true and send us on our way. I, it's, that's not right. Any thoughts you have on that, Martine? And we'll go to calls. Well, I don't think it was just true for Eldred G. Smith. <laughs> I think it's, a, it's you know, they put, they set them up with huge expectations 
Oh, this friend also talking about his his ex-wife's father said, you know, he went to a training and Dan Vogel made that comment earlier too. He went to a training several years after he was called as patriarch. And the training consisted of reading other patriarchs' blessings to get some ideas. That's what uh, Dan Vogel has been in the comments and he's mentioned that as well, that yeah. he literally yeah. there in the library. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right, that he's seen patriarchs reading blessings at the church history library. So, so it's, um, it may be common. I mean, that's how they train them. Yes, well, that answers the question, not only as to why it is that one patriarch's blessings are similar to that patriarch, but why all patriarchal blessings are similar to each other. Because that's how they train, mm -hmm. by reading the blessings given by other patriarchs. Yeah, today I was, uh, last night and today I was just clicking on, on some other blessings on the Fuller Consideration website. And, you know, I mean, there is a pattern. And if it's given by the same man, you'd expect, you know, the beginning of Lila's blessing and, and the other the others that I found, you know, it's all, it's all pretty much the same thing. I'm a convert, so wording is a little different. She's a, you know, she's a, a daughter of, of, you know, worthy parents, you know, of good parents. He didn't know anything about mine. So, but, uh, but just skimming through some other blessings occasionally i would find verbiage you know three or more words that also matched from our blessings so yeah if they're yeah. reading each other's blessings you know if that's the advice to take them to your stake president your stake president is not the patriarch i mean they always tell you to stay in your lane that's not his lane right who would have thought patriarchal blessings were so incestuous? <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure there are people who are helped with theirs. You know, if there's nothing too dire or negative. You know, I mean, certainly the parts that told me I had so many talents at times, that made me feel good. You know, I thought, oh, I'm really special, you know. So, but motherhood was not was not a blessing and was not happiness for me for mo most of it because you know I, I, I even even without the pain of living of even without living through that pain at the time you never forget the children that you lose and so you know a big part of my motherhood experience and i know a lot of women who could say the same thing with different circumstances is not a happy part of my life if, if revelation isn't real like the patriarch really isn't talking to god and getting the blessing from heavenly father and that patriarch is sitting in that position for a long time right as long as he lives in that area and he's healthy he's going to be the patriarch mm -hmm. and uh so the number of blessings he's going to give out are going to be numerous and if you don't really have revelation really happening and you know what the blueprint is for what a good Mormon looks like, I think it's pretty easy to understand why patriarchs would get into using and why the church is afraid of them using repetitive language. It, it's If I were going to be a patriarch today, I would sit and write out the most beautiful Mormon blessing ever, and that would be the thing I give to everybody. And that's what these guys were doing. You know, That's what Elder G. Smith did. 
he he gave everybody what he thought was a beautiful blessing, and it just so happens that everybody got the same one. Yes, and at bottom, as I've been thinking about a patriarchal blessing, piggybacking on what you just said, Bill, is that at bottom, I think that a patriarchal blessing says that if you lead a faithful Mormon life, then you will lead a faithful Mormon life. And that's really about everything that they say. It's that able to be reduced to that, I think. And there may be a few special things like um, sprinkles put in on the donut. But I think basically, I mean, what patriarchal blessing is going to say you're not going to get married in the temple into a guy you're not going to serve a mission or those kinds of things. Of course, they're going to hit all the milestones and say, you're going to do that. You're going to do this. If you're a woman, generally, you're going to get married. You're going to have a bunch of kids. All those things that the perfect Mormon is supposed to do in their life. And of course, he tells happy. me to do my genealogy, to do my family history work, to read the scriptures, yeah. to go on a mission, to get mm-hmm. married in the temple, to um, try to convert my non-member family. Um, I'm going to have the protection of angels. Now, there is one interesting thing, and uh, I thought it was stronger than what I, I remembered it being stronger than what it is, but it says, do not worry about what you say unto your listeners when you talk about the true gospel. And uh, I, you know, there's a bunch of listeners, and uh, I do think I'm talking about the true gospel now, which is that the church isn't true, and people ought to have enough information to make educated decisions, and uh, I don't really worry about it anymore. I just, you know, it, it's not not something I stress over anymore. So that came true. Yes, Martine. Yes, yeah, something else that my friend said about his former wife's father is that what happens it has happened a number of times is that he'll give a blessing and the recipients will get, you know, the transcription, the printed version, and they will call and say, that's not what you said in the blessing. What I remember is such and such. And so then he'll go back to the recording and the recording matches the transcription, but it shows how our brain works work also he said every time the transcription has always matched the recording but people here you know like like bill just said it's not as strong as i remember you know you're in a certain environment and so you hear things mm-hmm. and that's the idea you're supposed to be fasting Yeah, I have a similar experience when going back in those occasions when I have to go back over transcripts of court hearings where I'm present. And without fail, I remember myself as being much more brilliant than I actually was when I read the words I said. (laughs) Well, the words on paper don't have the same impact. Oh, thank you for that. (laughs) I just thought of one last thing. Okay, go ahead. One last thing, and then I'll, I'll be brief. I have a son, actually, well, I had, he doesn't have it anymore, but he suffered from scrupulosity, scrupulosity. And I think that patriarchal blessings can really uh, cause, they can exacerbate that problem because they see that all of these blessings are predicated upon your personal faithfulness. And so that makes them double down on all these rules that they think they need to keep, all these commandments. And it can be, you know, just really, really difficult for a person with that problem to not 
over emphasize their own per personal worthiness and go down that rabbit hole. Thank you it it happened to him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what are you left to think if the whole thing about the patriarchal blessing is it's predicated upon your faithfulness, the promises are not being realized, then it's your fault. And no matter how faithful you may be or not be, you've got to up the ante. So if you're being faithful right. in everything that a Mormon is supposed to do and your blessing isn't coming yeah. true, then you've got to yeah. double down. Exactly. It's your fault. Yes. Yeah. Bill Old Bean. Okay. Are there any well, phone calls? Have we given we, out the phone number? We have. Well, we haven't said it out loud, but it's at the bottom of the screen. And, and unlike other shows, it was within 30 seconds. There were uh, the call... Uh, whatever you want to call it, the call line was filled up with three calls here. So, and I, I make it a, a maximum of three, but they were in really quick. The The first one here is Bella. Bella, you're on Mormonism Live. Are you there? Uh, yes, hi guys. I, I, I don't want to be the person that calls every week and, and bugs you. Uh, so I'm going to try to be very uh, quick sure. and give someone else a chance. Uh I, I just want to make a, a, a quick point that just came to me. Um, I think there's so many differences between the church now and the church between uh, in the church from like the, the, the time of Joseph Smith. But I think it all, all boils to the same thing, which is the priesthood and the men and them just uh, being in power and having uh, complete control. Um, and I, I was just thinking about that because my patriarchal blessing was very specific about me serving, uh, and even said that my father in heaven, he didn't just want, he required, he required of me to stay in my country and help build the kingdom of God there. And, uh, so when I met my now ex-husband I didn't want to come because he was American I didn't want to come because of that it was that TBM I I served a lot I was with the missionaries a lot like three four times a week the sister missionaries and I I didn't want to come but um and I, I brought that to attention to my bishop and he told me well you know you can't take your patriarchal blessing to to such detail and and leave it like it's like something that you have to do line by line. And my ex uh, at that time, he also shared my concern to his bishop, and he got the same answer. So, what I'm getting to is uh, patriarchal blessings don't get to be what they are supposed to be if we are not faithful. Or if the priesthood holder says that it's okay to change it, so that that that's what I wanted to. That was my point. Just just control. That's really all about control. You don't like it. And don't thanks again it. for. Yeah, if you do, go for it. Bella. Yeah, and thanks again for another wonder. Yes. Bella. Hey. Hi. I just want to yes, know what the heck I can hear you. Uh, what what the heck are your bishop or stake president doing interpreting your patriarchal blessing for you? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh no, I had I, I don't know. They I wanted counsel because 
I had received a very strong testimony that I should marry this guy. And they, I, they said, just, I don't know. He said, I think, I think your calling is to go to Zion. And I didn't want to, I, I mean, my Zion was my people, you know, uh, my friends, my family, I, but that's, that's what he said. And that's, I, I, I followed and I, I didn't want to come. Uh, I was depressed for a while, but uh, I mean, I don't regret it. I think it was the right thing to do at the time um, to come here. But I, I don't know. That's, you know, I was just following my leader, follow the prophet. Don't go astray. Thank you, Thank you Bella. Bella. And you have not gone astray in listening to Mormonism Live. All Any right. comments from the, the panel about what Bella had to say? <clears throat> no? Yes? Maybe so? It's kind Seems of like, like loose translation and tight translation with the Book of Mormon, isn't it? Yeah. Seems like a nuanced bishop, doesn't it? Yeah, when you need the Book of Mormon to have loose translation, then it's loose translation. And when you need the Book of Mormon to have tight translation, then it's tight translation. That's the beauty of it. How, yeah. how convenient... All right, you guys are ready for the next one? Okay, Laura is on the line. Laura, is that your name? Hello, yes, this is Laura. Laura, what do you got for us? You're on Mormonism you Live. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have so much for you. And also I appreciate Lila and Martine being here. I love Lila's Mormon story. And I noticed that Martine has Slavo Ukraine hands, right? I love your nails. Um, oh. I'd like to tell oh. a story about Russia because I served a mission in Russia and we had a lot of apocryphal tales about uh, the 10 tribes of Israel in Russia. And I looked it up online while you were doing the rest of the show to see if there was any justification to this apocryphal story. And I actually found a Meridian Mag article in which it quotes Wendy Nelson talking about it. So I'm gonna add that to the chat. So um, one reputable source like, quoting another reputable oh, source. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's still pretty apocryphal, but I'll just tell you what, what the story was when I was on a mission and how it circulated back then in 2010. Um, the, the story went that there were these two patriarchs and that they started touring in Russia at the same place, but that they took different routes and that one went to the north around the top of Russia and then the other went to the south, um, like scooping the bottom of Russia. And that they met up at the end and both of them were just astonished because they had both discovered all 10 tribes coming forth from these patriarchal blessings of the Russian saints. And uh, this story was really widely circulated. And, and so I started collecting information from my companions. I had a lot of Russian companions um, about their tribes. and. And I actually did have, like, I had a companion who's from Naftali. I, was, I had a companion who's from Dan. I had a companion who's from, uh, what, what's the other one? It's, um, I, I don't remember. I'm all Zebulon. That was evidence to me that, yes, yeah, Zebulon. It was a weird one. <laughs> it was a spicy one. Um, but it was so bizarre to hear, like, those tribe names in person that, um, that I took that as, as just, further truth that like oh well, the 10 tribes are being found and like you know have you ever heard that thing that if you trace a line directly north of Israel that it'll, it'll you'll end up in Moscow um and I took all of this as evidence of the last days and so th this was um pretty 
a, a pretty strong um, marker of truthfulness for my patriarchal blessing, which was rather general. But in following my patriarchal blessing, it actually led me straight into a faith crisis. And so <laughs> I can understand Oops. that bizarre twist of uh, events, but <laughs> that's, that's uh, the, the story that I have. And then I also have a question for you. Have any of you ever heard the um, the rumor that Manasseh, the tribe of Manasseh, will like take over the church, basically? That that like Ephraim was sent to start the spread of the gospel, but that Manasseh will like ultimately take it over because Ephraim will fall into apostasy or something. That's something that circulated in my family. I just wonder if that anyone else has heard that. But I'll sign off and I'll let you keep going. Thank you. Thank you I, so much, Alara. Have you ever heard that, RFM? I've heard a little bit of that tied to, again, the Lamanites, which is why the Book of Mormon was originally written, to bring them back to the true fold, and that someday the Lamanites would have a prominent place within the church leadership and within the church itself. And uh, yet, that doesn't happen. Not only does that not happen, because of DNA research, we no longer even know who the Lamanites are. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm engrossed in a map of Europe right now. Because I had not thought about this idea, drawing a line directly north from Jerusalem. Uh, <laughs> to you see if go you end up in Turkey, Russia. You got to skip or scuba through the Black Sea. And then you do go up there. And, you know, it's a little bit, I would say, to the west of a straight line. But, yeah, they. I mean, Russia is definitely north. And Moscow is a little bit west of due north. But, yeah, I guess that's where the... Um, the, the lost tribes are. They're all Russians. Yeah. My son, my son uh, served his mission in Mongolia and he came home with the very same story that all 10 tribes had been located in Mongolia uh, through their patriarch, that they were all there. So now we're, you know, they're all coming back into the church. That was in Mongolia too. Well, this is all good news. I'm surprised we're not hearing about it in conference. Yeah. 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 That correlated like, stuff. I mean, when Laura started telling that story about the two patriarchs, I thought it was going to be there were two patriarchs who went into a bar. <laughs> but no, they ended up, I, I have no idea why, uh, but they started at the same point in the middle of Russia and then they go, one goes north and one goes south. And I don't know, are they, is that like a Zach's story from Dr. Seuss? The northbound Zach's and the southbound Zach's? Anyway, yeah, but of course, that's what patriarchs do. They meet in at one point, and one goes north and one goes south, and then they compare lineages later on when they meet up. Looks like the church is on hold in Russia. Oh, is it? Is, is something going on? Is well, there a problem? There's a lot of branches, but it doesn't look like they've closed the wards. But almost every week, there's a number of branches in fuller consideration on their under their tab of you know new new wards and wards that have been uh eliminated or decommissioned uh there have been quite a few russian branches that have been well but martin's in wards i haven't seen any, any moscow or st petersburg wards how's the russia temple coming do you know announced Oh, right. That's how I know there's going to be a Russian temple, because President Nelson announced one. Announced. I'm not sure if there's been a groundbreaking yet, at least not for the temple. Uh, it hasn't been a location. There wasn't a location. Ugdorf went over, 
after it was announced and visited, you know, Moscow, St. Petersburg. I have, have friends whose parents were mission president in some other city and um, he went and visited there too, but it doesn't look like anything came of it. Okay. Well, maybe the next life. And I mean, that was four years ago, so. Yeah. I've got Bill. two more callers in the queue. Do you want to take them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding? Yeah. We're having a great time. Are you okay, Martine, Lila? Uh -huh. Sure. Okay. okay. So, Nicola, I believe you're probably have called oh. before. You're on the line. Nicola. Do um, you, you can hear me, correct? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. We're, we're kind of um, short on time. You. So, yeah, so, just quickly, but okay. please do. Thanks very much. For, thanks for do, very much for doing this. And I think this has been one of the hardest things, um, the patriarchal blessing for me to deal with coming out of the church. However, my mum's patriarchal blessing said that she would always walk on in safety. And she was killed while going out and hit once with a, a she was hit twice by a car and she was killed. And my dad was like, but it isn't a patriarchal blessing. And I think she actually took risks because of the fact mm. that she she was told that in the patriarchal blessing. She was my dad would say, oh, you should, it should say, I'll be all right because it says it in my patriarchal blessing. Yeah. Thank you, Nicola. No, Nicola, I'm sorry. I didn't understand. What was it in your mom's patriarchal blessing that she would be safe? It, it said that she would always walk in safety. And then always she was out safety. and she was hit. Yes, she would always walk in safety. It told her to not worry about going out, but she would be always, and she'd go out and like, She'd be going visiting, teaching. She'd be, my dad would be, it's dark and you need to, you, and she'd say, it's all right because it says it's my patriarchal blessing. And then she's out during the day and she was hit in the front of the head with a car and the back of the head in the car and she never regained consciousness. Mm. And yet it says in the patriarchal, patriarchal blessing, she would always walk in safety. Mm. Thank you, Nicola. That's... Yeah, And they tried to explain that, but I don't really think there's any way you can explain it. No. You can't even take it over to the next no. line, can you, really? No, no you can't. No. I don't think so. Mm -mm. Thank you, Nicola, for calling and sharing that. That sounds painful. Yeah, it's okay. It, uh, but I I got a photocopy of that patriarchal blessing. I've got a photocopy of hers, and I've got a photocopy of my dad's patriarchal blessing. So I know that it says that because... I actually got that back out again after it happened to have a look at it because mm. I was like so shocked and I was an active member of the church at the time. Yeah. Mm. There you go. <laughs> thanks. thanks. And yeah, thank thanks you for, for doing this because I really think so. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you for calling in, Nicola. I appreciate thanks. it. All right. Then the last call of the night. This It sounds, sounds like, like patriarchal blessings like church history are a minefield. <laughs> yeah. We should only trust guys like John Gee to navigate that for us, huh? Juggling the hand grenades, baby. Right. All right. Last call of the night. I think this is Sheila. Sheila, is that uh, your name? That's my name, yes. Okay. Hi. Good evening, your time. Good morning, Australia time. How are you? Awesome. I hope you're having a great day. We're <laughs> glad you're on the show. What do you have for us? Okay. So, Mike, uh, well, of course, now you're at the end of the show, so I'll, I'll be as uh, quick as I can. I just want to address, my father was a patriarch. And I want to confirm, I actually have had a bit of a, an angry reaction to some of the comments, simply because uh, I know who my father was. Some, somebody suggested that 
uh, all patriarchs are not nice people. I, I wouldn't use the word that they used, and that's simply not true. They just uh, most members at some point in their life they do what they think is right until they know otherwise. I think that's just something that has to be taken into account. Anyway, but I want uh, that's another thing. The thing I want to address is is that when my father passed away. Uh, he kept copies of all of his patriarchal blessings on file in the house. And I want to confirm, yes, patriarchal blessings are 98% the same for every person they're given to. Because we, I read through a lot of them before we sent them to Salt Lake to go into the file bank. So that's one thing. Uh, a couple of other things happened to my father. He was asked to give an African-American uh, gentleman a patriarchal blessing. And because, because he would not state that he was a part of the House of Israel through his baptism, which is church teachings, because technically we're adopted, um, he was gently removed from his place as patriarch because the state patriarch... Uh, had a knee-jerk reaction that, oh, you can't say that, you can't do that. And my father said, I can't tell this man, his, his lineage is of Cain. I cannot tell this man that his lineage is now of the House of Israel or Ephraim. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing was um, I was very fortunate to go to Salt Lake when my father went over for patriarchal training. Uh, in 1980, I think it was. And there is a patriarchal mm-hmm. handbook. Uh, my father at the time reported directly to God. Um, oh, his name's gone right out of my head. Anyway, uh, patriarch, my father, he, report, he reported, di- sorry, I'm trying to get all this in me and I'm aware of your time. Sheila, Sheila, uh, it's okay. Was it Elder G. Smith that he reported to? No, she's sitting next. No, um, it was my sister's uh, mission president. Um, oh, oh, come on, come on. Oh, the brain, it's getting old now. Somebody's uh, saying anyway, Hinkley. Was it uh, Hinkley? No, before that. Um, glass, oh, what's his name? Vincent Hunter, Kimball. Um, Harold B. Lee. The point, sorry? Harold B. Lee. Sorry? Harold it, was, it was 1980. It was no, Father Spencer no, Kimball no, as the president. Oh, no, 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 he said I'm a part as a bishop. No, it, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm wasting time. Yeah, yeah, no, anyway, Patriarch's report to one member of the Quorum of the Twelve. And one of the things my father said, that being a patriarch uh, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, yes. Uh, and finally, just because of your time. My father, when he was in his older years, naturally age had an effect on him. He became a more emotional man, something that had never been all of his adult life. I remember him turning to me directly and looking at me straight in the eye and, and saying to me, you know, I'm not a good man. This is a man that was, now, I don't know if he was a good pipe patriarch or not. I know a lot of people that got blessings from him questioned the fact that he used I think a lot in his blessings instead of I know. But, you know, um, my, fa- my father was a flawed human being, aren't we all? 
But that I've never forgotten him doing that. That he recognised his, his frailties, his lack of. Um, my my father was very pragmatic. Um, I wouldn't say that he was a spiritual man. I, I wouldn't give him that appellation, but he was very pragmatic, and that's how he gave patriarchal blessings. So. Uh, so although I got a little bit angry when I saw a comment and um, disclaimer, you know, I, I'm, I was born in the church, all of my life in the church, my father was either a bishop, a high councilman or a patriarch, nothing else prior to my birth that I know of. He was probably one of the most dedicated, again, um, because it worked, he was probably one of the most dedicated, hard-working men that I I mean, he was part of British, Scottish church, church history after the war. So so there's a lot of um, pioneer British, Scottish church history in my family. So he was as honest as he could be. Now, having said that, and now in the place where I am, I'm 61 years of age. Uh, it wasn't until my 59th year that I uh, read the very kindly produced uh, um, essays and discovered the church has lied to me all my life. Uh, so I mean, that's the place I'm in now. But I cannot... I say this to my siblings, I cannot fault my father for not knowing anything different. And I, and I, and I know that patriarchal blessings hurt people. My patriarchal blessing has not done a damn thing for me. It promised me family and lots of other things which have not been realized. Um, it didn't do a damn thing for me. And I know that it hurts people. I know it sends people down emotional um, roads that they never thought they would go but I just I, I just have to defend my father I'm not interested in any other and I have to say uh, uh, ladies um, gents that American language is flowery in comparison to it's so flowery compared to the language that my father used. My father was very, uh, it's hard to, glass region is really all I can say. It's hard, to, it's very um, plain, clear, not flowery with with jots and tittles and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I'll leave it there. I think I've probably said more than I should have said. No, no, thank you. But there are some patriarchs out there that, yes, I, I understand that probably the patriarchy influences their uh, standing and how they want people to view them. Um, but um, anybody I talk to, I'll finish on this point, anybody I talk to, without trying to get upset about it, I will tell people my father was the most honest man with the most integrity that I have ever known in my life. So, irrespective of whether his blessings were wanting, he did the best he could with what he had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And British 
British church knowledge at a certain point in time was 50 years behind Salt Lake. And Salt and Lake's they say the members over the there had to battle with nothing. Sorry? And, and Salt Lake's 50 years behind the world, so you were 100 years behind in terms of church history. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, we, yeah. and, you know, and parents had to teach their children from nothing. Yeah. So a patriarchal blessing, and I got mine when I was 16, a patriarchal blessing in my experience, that was something. That I mean, you had to go and get a recommend to do that. Yeah. You, um, in, in the, you didn't go talk to bishops. That was a rarity in the way I was brought up. You didn't discuss anything with a bishop. To go to a bishop and get a recommend to then get a patriarchal blessing, my goodness me, that was like going to the moon. Anyway, I'll finish on that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my comments. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Sheila, for calling in. <clears throat> and just to say, RFM, I mean, Richard Bushman was a patriarch. As far as I know, Richard Bushman is, is, a, is a top, is, he's just a good guy, right? And uh, the the well, gentleman by the last name of, the dominant narrative is not true. But his kindness, his humanity, is you know who he is inside. He's a he's a good person. Um, the the patriarch in my old stake, uh, last name Rice that I mentioned earlier, was seemed like a great guy. I I couldn't tell you a person who was better than he was. He was just a good guy. He was a stake president, and then he was the patriarch. Um, Franz Attaboy, who was the patriarch that I got my blessing from. Again, I have a problem with the fact that my blessing was duplicated with other people, but his character seemed really good. So I don't think it's fair to say they're all bad people. I think it's like everything else in the church. It's a mixed bag. The, the trouble is the church just isn't true. So these things don't hold up. Maven, you've appeared. I have appeared. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about, this is something I think I was talking about with you, and I did just want to bring up at the end of the show, that when we talk about control mechanisms in the church and the kinds of things that um, really help keep members in, and, and we know that part, there's a strategy to get people to go to BYU rather than um, a secular school if it can be helped, um, getting on missions, marrying as soon as they get back, marrying young, you know, having children right away so that they're really solidly trapped in and i i feel like the patriarchal blessings are really good at doing that as well and it's something that happens much earlier and at a very vulnerable time for us when it's you know at that age when we're teenagers the age that they recommend that we get them i mean that's just like a rough part for so many people just kind of transitioning from a childhood into adulthood. There's, you know, the boundaries with the parents and then, and you're starting to think about your future as an adult and the world is before you, but you're not quite there yet, you know? So you, you know, you have all of these hopes and dreams and, and things that you want to think about your life. And then to give you this blessing and say that it's direct revelation from God, your heavenly father, you know, he knows you, he loves you. And this is, this is absolutely something from him to tell you about your life because you are that special that you are getting this direct revelation just for you, you know, in this form that you can read and look over. It's extremely manipulative to do that. And there's still, I mean, you can see faithful members, like we've had one in the chat, um, but even around the internet, people talking about following their patriarchal blessings. And as we've shown in the show and many others in the chats as well, decisions have been made based on that. Um, it's just really, really awful 
I think to do to us at that age. And I, I know, I mean, at least I'm speaking for me. I, I had so much hope and, and I, I really, really wanted to believe. And I did believe that it was from God. So anyway, I just wanted to say that I do think patriarchal blessings are maybe a kind of a hidden resource, um, other than missions and marriage and, and early, you know, having children right away. That is one of the things that also binds people in. Thank you, Maven. Before I turn over to anybody else for final comments, I will just say that when Sheila said that patriarchs have the loneliest calling in the church, I hadn't thought of it that way before. And it made me think that maybe we should refer to patriarchs as the Maytag repairmen of Mormonism. <laughs> maybe. <it's> <laughs> okay. I'm just going to let that sort of hang out there for a while. Uh, any other comments? I'm not yeah. seeing any. Was there one? I have a comment. Okay, Lila, you're going to close out the show. Make it good. Oh. <laughs> Wait. Did something happen? It says, Did Lila just gets Lila, It says you muted yourself. So we can't unmute you. I did. Okay. Oh, there we go. I do that okay. sometimes. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I was reading the comments. I couldn't help it. And one of them was a faithful member, a female, who was saying, it's too bad you can't find other ways to interpret your blessings. And I just want to say, did you see the part where we were comparing Martine's blessing and my blessing and seeing they were basically the same blessing and not just ours, many of that patriarch. So how do you take that and blessings. interpret that? What's that? These are four. So Martine actually did more and I had just <laughs> There's four different blessings. Look at the yellow. The blue is the part that's like mine and, and a couple other people's, but Martine doesn't have the blue, but the yellow is co in common with all of ours. How can you make that into a anything personal? How can you interpret that any other way than this guy is just repeating himself? And how is that a blessing to me or Martine or any of the people that got him from him? We're not saying every patriarch does this, but you know, I, I would like to have an answer from her on that point if she wants to talk about it. Yours did, mine did, and the last caller just said her dad did. I mean, it again, I'm not saying it's everyone either, but it's a whole hell of a lot of them. Yeah. And and we just know that you know this isn't real. It's not a real construct because the Lord isn't going to uh it, it, you can't just conjure up the spirit like that and have it work. I think these men are definitely trying, most of them. There, she said, I do not have an answer for that. Thank you, Chloe. I appreciate you answering that question. All and right. We that. I mean, about we, that. You know, I'm sorry. We both tried. Yeah, we tried. Over, I tried my whole life. Decades, really. May I say, I'm just so impressed with the audience across the pond that stays up to the middle of the night or early morning hours to to always participate in the show every week i it's just amazing how they either get up early or stay up late whichever 
Yes, and we even have people listening down in the penal colony. Yes, <laughs> down under, yes. And yeah, that's really impressive to me as well. Mm -hmm. I understand it's winter down there. Of course, it kind of is up where I live too. But that's to be expected. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Martine Smith, Lila Tuller, Bill Real, Maven. Thank you. Thank you, RFM. And last name, right? Uh, I can use your last name, can't I, Maven? That's why I paused. Maven. It's Maven. She's the amazing Maven. Oh, so if I say Maven Brody, it's okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Maven Brody, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for the callers. Thanks for the listeners. Thanks for the commenters. Thank you, everybody. It's been a great night and a wonderful discussion. Until next week, when Bill Real will not be here. I but won't. I will be. This is Mormonism Live. I'm just going to say signing off the air, which is a, a different thing. But this is Mormonism Live. Thanks, everybody, so much. Good night. Good night.